Welcome to a Voice from the Hills Community Spotlight Series. I'm James Warner, co-founder of Silicon Hills Wealth Management here in Austin, Texas. And our spotlight organization is the Literacy Coalition of Central Texas. The goal of the coalition is to break the cycle of intergenerational poverty through improved literacy. And the challenge is a big one. 43 million adults in the United States alone read, write, and do basic math at a third grade level or lower. The vast majority of children living with parents without a high school diploma grow up in poverty. Now, joining us today to discuss the coalition is Executive Director Janet Torres. Janet holds a law degree from Boston University, and she's held senior level positions at New York's Botanical Gardens, the Wildlife Conservation Center, and Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts. Most recently, Janet served as Executive Director of the Kindness Campaign. So let's turn the spotlight on the Literacy Coalition of Central Texas with Janet Torres. James Warner is the founding partner of Silicon Hills Wealth Management and the host of A Voice from the Hills podcast. All opinions expressed by James, his co-host, and his guest are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Silicon Hills Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Silicon Hills Wealth Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. And good afternoon, Janet, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Now, you've recently just celebrated your one-year anniversary as Chief Executive Officer for Literacy Coalition, so congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Let's catch the listeners up with just some background information on you and kind of what brought you, you know, what brought you to the coalition. Sure. Well, um, I am a lawyer, but I am, I, my background is in legislation. So my love for um, the public sector and my desire for social change came from um, my, my pursuit of my law degree to um, be a policymaker and a legislative writer. So I spent uh, my almost my entire career in New York City as a legislative attorney on the city, state, and in the governor's office. Um, I came to Central Texas seven years ago, um, took a little break from the nonprofit world, and then um, I was with an, an amazing organization as an executive director for the Kindness Campaign. And then, like I said, a year ago, I joined um, the Literacy Coalition of Central Texas. And to me, the reason why I love and the reason why I pursued joining the coalition is because I do believe literacy is opportunity and literacy changes lives. Um, I think people do not realize how important and how many people in the United States, 43 million who can only read, write, and do basic math at a third grade level, and that translates to 3 million Texans. Um, there's a, it's a, it's a, it's an economic cost. It's a health cost. It's an education cost. And I think people do not make that connection. They're like, oh, reading is fundamental. Reading is so important. But it, it goes beyond that for, towards self-sufficiency, you know, people rising out of poverty. Um, and, and so when I saw this opportunity, I'm like, this is for me because my background is in economic development. Um, and when I was as a legislative attorney. So, um, yeah, so when I saw this opportunity, there, it was great and, and, and wonderful to join them. And I'm very, very lucky. And then the central mission of the Literacy Coalition is to break that uh, intergenerational cycle of poverty, right, through 
I, I believe the way you talk about it is holistic uh, literacy services, which I, I think is kind of a maybe a unique way to to talk about it and even phrase it. Let, let's talk for a moment yeah. about that link between poverty and literacy. Uh, you mentioned some Absolutely. of the numbers already, but what does the data tell us? How, how substantial is that link? It is substantial. So um, 82% of children are most likely to live in poverty when they're in a household where their parents do not have a high school diploma. Um, the, the amount, the children who are in central Texas who are not kindergarten ready, um, only holds at 38%. So having, so when we say intergen, people are always curious, why do you say intergenerational, breaking intergenerational poverty? Well, the effects on the children is based on what's happening in the parents' lives. So one of the things that's so important is that when someone, when we see someone finally achieve their GED or their high school equivalency, we're saying your child is graduating also. And that means you're most, more likely that your child now will finish high school. So there is you know, empirical data that shows and, and, and supports that, um, that, you know, that outcome. And so we're trying to, you know, like I said, like we say, break that intergenerational link of poverty between what parents and children. Um, so, and we do that through a number of ways. And I love holistic. I made that change with um, with my board and the team. Um, it used to be called. It used to, we used to say comprehensive services. And I believe holistic is a is a much better way to to look at it. We're looking at the person as a as a person, not just you're coming in. You know. Uh, three to four days a week, you know, to do and get your GED. We're not that type of organization. We meet, what we say is we meet the person where they're at. And what does that mean? That person has a life. That person has trauma in their life. Maybe they're trying, you know, maybe they have trauma from school. We, we, that's the reason why they didn't finish school. So we're not going to, you don't come to us and you're in a class where there's a beginning, middle and an end. There is, but not in a structured way. And the way that what we say, what we mean, what I mean by that is that you come in at your own pace. We meet the student where they're at. So if, if you're coming in at a fourth grade reading level or a fifth grade reading level and you want to achieve your high school equivalency, well, it's going to take time. You have to be at least at a minimum in a ninth grade reading, writing level and math level to even go forward in the GED process. So we have students who have been with us, you know, two, three years just to get to the point of GED. And then there's the GED track. So we capture individuals who may not even be ready to, to be part of other organizations that provide those high school equivalency programs because it's too accelerated for them. So we are catching individuals um, who won't, won't even make it into the, in, uh, beyond um, a GED program somewhere else. And one of the great things I like on your site is the is the liter- literacy tree. It's a really great visual. Yeah, and of course, you. the fruit of that tree is improved reading and language skills. It's job placement. It's it's school ready children. That you know, those are all the fruits of of your overall labor. But how does the literacy coalition operate to work toward that ultimate goal? How how do you actually you know how do you actually care for that tree to get the fruit? Right. And, and it all begins, you know, with our partnerships because we are a coalition. So it's at, at its core, we have, you know, we are a coalition. We have 67 partners and we, you know, we not only do direct services, 
but we also are what I call a living laboratory of experiments in programming that then we share with our partners and our other literacy partners in Central Texas, 67 of them, pretty big, pretty big amount of partnerships we have. Um, with that, if you don't have your partnerships, then you can't, the community can't grow your tree um, and that literacy tree. So we also um, have that tree growing because we also train and place AmeriCorps members. And I don't know if your, your audience knows AmeriCorps, but AmeriCorps is an opportunity to, to have to do direct service for one year um, in, in a nonprofit. And it's through the federal government. And VISTA is also a, a part of that. That was started under um, JFK's term. Um, and those individuals help build capacity. So we are not only doing our own direct service, we are you know, amplifying that work through our, our partnerships, our training of communities, um, community partners in, again, um, best practices. Um, we created an amazing ESL teacher training program that we've trained. We train individuals, like we've taken our own outlook of how we interact with our students through a trauma-informed care lens. Many people have gone through trauma. We all have. But there's a reason why you don't have your, like I said earlier, your high school diploma. So we, we've trained our staff. We've trained our AmeriCorps members who go out into literacy organizations to ensure that when they're, they're, they're teaching, they're dealing with individuals, that you do it with the utmost care and, and have the tools to deal with someone who has gone through trauma. And we've taken that and we created our own professional development program, basically, that's Black for a better term. And we've trained over 2,000 people um, in the community to, oh, in, wow. you know, who are practitioners in the community. I don't think a lot of people know that. We kind of like don't talk about it very much, but it, it's an, that's an amazing way to take something that we take very personally, treating someone with dignity and understanding their trauma so they can succeed in their program because how can you finish a GED program? How can you study math and English? And in, if you're hungry, you don't have a place to sleep. You have mental health issues. We do this wraparound care. And so we decided to do, as we were doing our own internal training, like, hey, this may be interesting. People started asking us to do trainings on the outside, like Workforce, workforce Solutions of the Capital Area. We've already done two rounds of trainings for all of their um, their staff at the the three workforce centers. So there's so much we do, and it's it's just it's it's a it's a great marriage of like what we do internally, what we've taken externally, and what we can provide um, our our partner organizations with through AmeriCorps. And I think you talked about it a little bit earlier, but the that proper training is really crucial because you're dealing with people that not only have a literacy gap, but but they also have trauma. They also have experiences in their life that keep them, you know, maybe from just embarking on that standard education journey. I mean, you have to have people that are willing to and able to kind of break through those barriers to get even to the educational component. Is that, yeah. is that kind of the, some of the things you've developed in your lab? And I think I, I heard you talk about uh, motivational interviewing skills. Yes. And, and how crucial those are in working with your population. Can you tell the audience what that, what that really means and, and, and how effective sure. that is? And what? 
that's when when we are when we are teaching individuals about trauma um, direct um, practitioners um, direct service practitioners we also we also teach them a thing called motivational interviewing skills and what is that that's a way to break down how how to speak to someone so if you fail an exam you don't say well you failed the exam sorry <laughs> you can't move forward versus talking to them in a way they're like okay so let's come up with a plan um so we can work on achieving this goal for you let's set up some goals for you so it's just again taking it's how you say it that triggers someone's trauma well, we give you the tools of how to speak to someone that you will not trigger that, that you, you will in, you know, um, in, in, and have that person become more open to you with their issues that they say, you know what, I really, um, am hungry or I can't get to school. I can't get to here because I don't, I can't afford a bus pass or my car is broken down or I need a new pair of glasses. We, you know, we did that for somebody. We purchased someone's glasses so they can continue. To, to participate in our programs and in life. So, you know, again, the, the, that understanding of like the whole person that goes back to holistic services, looking at the person as not just a student, but as an individual who has, is going through a lot. And it, you know what, it takes a lot of courage to say, I want to learn. I know I'm, you know, we have people all the way to age 69 who are in our programs to make that decision today, I want to get my high school diploma or today I want to be able to read a book to my child in English. So, you know, I want to, I want a job. So we have vocational training. We have amazing partnerships with um, um, groups that do vocational training. And then we do the English as a second language contextualize. And I don't know if people understand what contextualize means. That means that just in your own, how do you speak English and understand English and to be successful at work? So, um, yeah, so it's just, you know, going all, but it all goes back to that, looking at every person through a trauma informed lens and 40% of our students identify as survivors of violent crimes or situations. Oh, wow. That's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And so you've got, you know, 2000 people that you're, you're training with affiliating with, you've got 67 different partner organizations. I mean, you're solving a very difficult kind of multi-layered problem, uh, but you're also, you know, interacting on it from a lot of different angles in conjunction with a lot of different people. How do you rise to that leadership challenge? That's got to be difficult. <laughs> yes. And, and one of the things I started doing when I started this job um, on LinkedIn, haven't done it for a little bit, but every time I'm uh, the, I get motivated to do it. It's called, um, my, you know, my, my musings, my musings on leadership. So I'm always looking to see how can I become a better leader, a person, how can I be the, a, a boss to somebody that I would want? And that's how I, I, um, move forward in my, in my interactions with my team. Um, and it's very important that, I want it, I want them to feel like they're being heard, that they um, there's understanding, there's teaching moments, there's support, there's mentorship. All those pieces are that are important to me and Mike that I needed in my career that maybe I didn't have and I didn't get. I try very hard to be that for the amazing people who I work with every day, who have who have made sacrifices, who have made a decision. Um, to be in the in the public sector, and for me, 
in my entire career, I've only had one private sector job. I made a conscious effort and a decision to, to be in the public sector. And to me, that's the closest to, you know, mission work, if you call it that, that I, you know, I've dedicated my, my heart and my life. Um, and anyone who's in my life <laughs> knows I'm going to be calling them up for help to, you know, help at an event or, you know, donate a service. And so it's, it becomes very much family oriented, every job that I have, it's, it becomes so much more than that. And being the time, and then, you know, there are times where I'm feeling low, there are times where I feel that um, I don't have all the answers. And I tell that and I say that to my board. And I say that to my team. And when I first started doing that, I started getting this like, wow, okay, you're not perfect. You're not like, have all the answers. And I'm like, no, I don't. And I make mistakes and I'm not the smartest person in the room. And I want to learn from everybody. And I will learn from my, my own mistakes. And when I'm, when I find myself that, you know, I've done something that maybe I have misunderstood, I take, I take ownership for that. And I think people appreciate that so much that I think people forget that trust needs to be earned. And and if you can't, if you don't get, you don't have that trust, then you're not going to be able to do much because people won't believe in you, especially in the nonprofit world. Um, integrity is very important. And uh, I've always said, so when I used to write these little musings on fate, on LinkedIn, um, there was one I wrote about um, um, vulnerability and leadership. And I think it's very important for leaders to show vulnerability. And that's not a weakness. It's a strength. And also people talk a lot about being kind and empathetic. To me, those are extremely important leadership skills that that needs that continues and needs to be um, cultivated in our business schools, in a private sector and, and in the public sector. I think um, I always would tell people, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Well, I think that sums it up very well. Janet, thank you so much for joining us today. If you've been listening and you'd like to learn more about the Literacy Coalition of Central Texas, please visit their website at willread.org. The coalition is having their annual fundraiser at the Austin Public Library on Friday, April 29th. There's still some last-minute seats available. Also, if you'd like to inquire about volunteer opportunities or partnering with the coalition, please email Janet directly at janet.torres at willread.org. And Torres has two R's. Thank you for engaging with us and learning more about the Literacy Coalition of Central Texas.